listening to the oneofus.net podcast network one of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions we do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads but on a case-by-case basis if you're interested in that contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com with the amount of audio and video content we generate it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at two five ten or twenty five dollars and get a ton of bonus content one of us needs and appreciates all your support it is about ghost stories in the 70s i think there's just something more inherently creepy about it maybe it's because i grew up in the 70s when i was more of a believer like actively going out and going haunt me i dare you hello is there anyone there i never really had any luck myself with the ghosts but unfortunately (laughs) for the main character in the film the power set in 1973 she has about the worst luck with ghosts you could possibly ask for (laughs) at points i was like wait is this a remake of the entity bad level of experience with ghosts and it starts off not really being clear what kind of movie that you're watching here and i think it ends being a very different movie than you think you're watching in the middle of it but yeah we're here to review the power which is directed by a bafta winning director Corina Faith. I'm here with Luane. Hey, how's it going? Tessa. Hello. And Robert. Hello, y'all. Man, that's so sexy, Robert. Look at you. <laughs> Damn. This come hither voice you've got. Indeed. Hello, y'all. <laughs> I've been spending lots of time online with Bradley trying to oh. suck up that rasp. That laid back energy. You're just like, damn, I wish I talked like you. You're so cool. <laughs> anyway, during 1974, there's electrical blackouts across Britain. There's fights between the trade unions and the power companies. And every night, the power goes out across England. And everyone's been prepared for this for a while. There's a new trainee nurse coming into this crumbling old hospital the east london royal infirmary bad day to start in the middle of this going on no one is really nice to her except the one doctor who works in the pediatrics ward where she wants to go but the head nurse is kind of awful no no you're not going to work there but she finds a loose girl running around a young indian preteen girl and she's like i think that you lost one of your kids the doctor's like oh i, I kind of like this one okay uh you know tells the nurse you can stay and the nurse is like fuck you lady But either way, in revenge for the little bit of power, see? (laughs) See what you did there. Ooh, double entendre. Well, I mean, the movie is a giant double entendre with the name for sure. But it's like, okay, fine. You know what? You have to work the overnight shift too because you're in training and you have to do what I say and you can't complain. And she's like, I really, really do not want to work in a all but completely dark hospital with a bunch of people I've never even met before. But hey, it is what it is. And they're like, okay, well, you could just go to this floor. It's the intensive care ward. No one there can even talk. They're so bad. It's run on a generator, so there are lights there. But either way, she gets up there, finds out there's a girl she went to school with who did not like her, <laughs> named Babs. People still go by Babs, played by Emma Rigby. If I didn't say it, the nurse Val is played by Rose Williams. And Babs is like, why don't you go down to this other floor and get me this thing? 
Well, that's when things start to go seriously awry, as it becomes clear, and has started to become clear already by a strange smell, by the feeling something's tugging at her here and there, that something ghostly is going on in this hospital. But just the degree of ghostly that is going on, she is not ready for. And the power turns out to be not only a reference to there's some sort of power in this hospital, but also there's some sort of power differential going on between nurses and doctors and people and ghosts and men and women going on in this hospital. As the power turns out not to only be a ghostly haunting slash possession film, but also I thought an interesting little diatribe about abused power and that it's really helpful to fight back if you have an angry ghost on your side. Yeah, that's definitely the thing that helps you the most, at least in this one. I mean, that'd be wonderful, right? If the place where people go when they're being abused by their spouse, they're like, we're going to hook you up with this angry spirit and uh, then just go back home and trust me, it'll be okay. But unfortunately, the real world doesn't work that way, which of course the director, Karina Faith, is very aware of. She wanted to make a haunting period piece movie, but that also had something to say. It definitely got to the spooky bits within like 15 minutes. There was like creaky, creepy closet door. There was really unnerving uh, mural paintings on the walls in the pediatric ward. They got going pretty quick. I thought so too. I mean, the setting alone, like you said, is just old crumbling hospital, which who wouldn't be nervous there? Even if you didn't <laughs> believe in ghosts at all, you'd walk into that and go, oh, and by the way, the lights are going to be out all night. You'd still be like, you know, kind of fuck this. Well, yeah, and there's only a couple of active floors. They've shifted everybody else to the high-end hospital and so they're stuck with babies that can't move and people in the coma ward that she's in that can't move and that was actually one of the things because they made such a point of the ward that she's on i was curious whether we were going to get ghosts or if it was going to be somehow related to one of the people in the ward you know every once in a while you get like an x-files type thing where you've got somebody who's a paraplegic or something but somehow can move things using telekinesis because what you see initially is some noises and like her cape or the headpiece gets flipped or pulled. So, you know, who knows what that could be. But pretty soon we get into, oh yeah, there's definitely an actual straight up haunting going on in here. And then even more than that, as this movie actually goes from like, it's going to be spooky, but not a dangerous haunting per se, except for people being dangerous to themselves, to a really kind of violent movie with some pretty brutal moments in it of violence really surprised me that it went where it did and i remember that was about the point i'm like this movie's much more angry than i thought it was going to be because i hadn't really contextualized all those little moments early on like there's a moment when she's in the elevator and the janitor male janitor starts sort of fingering her dress and she's like what the fuck (laughs) and you're like there's little stuff like that and you're like okay the title was indeed a pun seems inappropriate but it is in fact a double meaning ultimately i think where you're going to walk away from the film is whether you find any value in the way she expresses that the anger that you talked about or the i would go rage it's uh, i think it's beyond just anger is interesting in that like most hauntings there's some sort of tragic event at the core of it and of course with this one there is as well but this is one of those few times where the scale of rage that's represented actually seems appropriate to what's going on it's not just we're gonna bring up the violence because it's a horror movie it's like oh no this absolutely makes sense and this 
you realize later is more targeted than it seems. But it, it was interesting to see that because when you consider the multiple meanings of both the title and kind of what they had in mind with the story, it's still shocking because the violence does sort of escalate, but it doesn't feel gratuitous. The building's great. The setting was a really neat idea. At first, when we learned that the main character was from a home, I was like, oh, is this hospital the home? And then she's here because, you know, this is a backdoor revenge. You know, there was so much going on. I think they really did a really good job with the music, with the ramp up. There's some pretty voracious violence. The possession stuff gets pretty wild. As somebody that's seen a lot of these movies, I thought the way that they ramped it up and change the context of what you're seeing the further the movie goes on. Because if you haven't seen this and you're listening to this, there's some stuff we're not saying. You're probably picking up on that. But you really don't know what's going on in the film. I did have to pause the movie because it was odd that Loane said he had a problem with his power when he watched this. So did I. We had a power outage. And when I rewatched it, did you for real? Yeah, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't. What? So wait, two out of four reviewers lost power trying to yeah. watch the power. And so when I restarted the movie... Fuck. There are some things that I caught because I had to go back because I was like, I just want to go back. I didn't want to jump back in. But I thought the way they doled out the tension was pretty impressive. I like what Luane's saying. You know, we see a lot of movies that have big endings and this one had definitely a visually big ending but it's fucking about a pretty dark ass fucking real aspect of life that while we get other movies that approach this i like the tenor that they hit with this a lot of these movies i think lend a lot to the self-destruction aspect of it i mean in the portrayal of that and what i liked i think the way they were able to mitigate some is that rose is the main character and not the main character as the movie goes on for a little bit and I thought that was a really neat way to get at what the director and the writer wanted to talk about without doing a one character, oh, she's going to start sullen and then we have to have her standing on top of a mountain. But the end kind of thing, sometimes that stuff kind of comes off as trite. They manage to, even though they're using a lot of old tricks because of the recontextualizing, they find a way to make them kind of interesting again. Like even one of the oldest tropes doing the research and figuring out, oh, what is this thing? Where did it come from? Part. They found a way to, rather than just sort of like an exposition dump, they kind of parcel it out in tiny pieces at a time. It's a very slow build of information that worked better. And I really like that there's such a different dynamic playing out between the main character, Val, and all the other people that she encounters. Every single one is just a very different relationship that changes as more things start to happen as they react to this person who is the new girl they don't really know. Every impression we get of her is that she is about the sweetest thing that there is, just a nice person who really wants to help. And she's being put in a position where people are like, uh, we think you're not good. <laughs> and it's like, no, I swear, I'm sweet. Don't get too close. One of the main things I thought about when I first started watching this was like, damn the power too soon because we just dealt with our electricity going out here in Texas. So that was a bit guttural, <laughs> I suppose. And also just how scary it is. Yeah, just to be in the dark, like something that you take for granted, just light. I remember there was like a survey that was done somewhere online where it asked women, what would you do if men had a curfew at night? And it was so sad how many women just said, just take a walk, just go for a stroll in the park. And like, this definitely shows why women are afraid to be out in the dark because of the power dynamic between the genders and how some people who are not very nice will take advantage of that, which is basically what happened here. It's got a very resonant theme 
There are things about this that hit a little hard and home for me. There's also the types of people and how they mask themselves that are not great people. And I saw that reveal in the first five seconds. Like, I knew immediately. Not only did it talk about gender inequality, power dynamics, it also talks about the power dynamics within poverty gap. Poor people get sick more often than people with money. And I hate to tell them back in the 70s, not much has changed. It's like if you can't afford insurance, you're kind of boned. So there's there's a lot of themes going on in this that work really well. There was a couple of heavy-handed moments in this that I thought were kind of not necessary. There was like a juxtaposition with a poster on a wall and that was just really heavy-handed. I, I think most of the time it walked the tightrope pretty well. It's certainly heavy-handed in the terms of by the end, it's like, okay, now everyone's on the same page what we're talking about. Now we get the point where we all get to mm-hmm. kind of cheer and go, hell yeah, get what you deserve, fucker. There was also a sound moment that was weird. There was like a voiceover about mm-hmm. an hour in where there was like something talking to Valerie, this like voice, like whispering. It sounded like dialects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Possessinate, possessinate, or I don't know. It was England in the seventies. It's not out of the question. The place was haunted by Daleks. You know, that would be a very different movie, and it'd be kind of awesome. I'd say the hand ringing I do for sure is they went a, a little too much with the red herring type stuff and stuff that was like, oh, but what about if man? I love the stuff with Babs. Like that situation's all horrible, but <laughs> she's great. Like if you're gonna have somebody be the jerk that you gotta work with at night, oh man, A plus. Like that like you said, the first thing she does is she's like, Oh, you don't like the dark? Go fucking down that hallway and give me that shit in the closet. Like <laughs> that stuff was cool, but with the music too, it did jump around a little. Like there's some almost voiceover chanting type stuff, which is usually cool, but whenever you usually hear it in stuff, it's omen style where it's all the way through this is a religious horror let's set it up with the choir or oh no shit this is the end that we didn't know was coming type stuff there was a little in the middle that i think was again more like throw you off your game type stuff because i really kept waiting for the devil to like jump out at something you know this isn't the best horror movie i've seen this year i did really like it but the first third of the movie i so enjoyed like Tessa saying, there's some pretty telegraph stuff, especially watching the opening twice. Like there's a lot of stuff kept in frame for you to see. And we want you to look at it. But I dug that. I just didn't know what the hell was going on for like almost 30 minutes of the film. If you had stopped it and been like, how's this one end? No way. And that that was cool. I never would have been able to tell you this is where it's going in the middle act. And the second act I was like, wow, I didn't expect it to get to that. And I certainly didn't expect where it ended up at. But uh, let's go to final thoughts. I just got to say, though, Bob, I keep thinking you're talking about the devil shrug up. I was like a picture like the middle of the film. He goes, hey, thanks. That was the ghost. Thanks, everybody. He was great. All right. Thank you so much. Funny, funny guy. All right. Let's see. Where are you from, ma'am? I love your hat. <laughs> I don't know why I picture the devil in a comedy club, but that's what the kind of thing. Oh, am I early? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Bob, what are your final thoughts? I dug it. You know, Rose Williams did a good job. I think the story is different enough, and that's not any kind of slight to the movie. I think that being novel is going to be a much more difficult thing going forward after the last five years we've had in horror, where not only we're getting such great movies, but we're getting a breadth of movies that are not only dealing with 
trauma and loss and grief, but we're getting really out there takes on it, which are great. And I think this is something I'd recommend to people that like like The Conjuring and stuff like that. And maybe this is a little more social-based horror, you know, than a straight supernatural, I guess is how you characterize it. But I'd also recommend it to people that like horror movies. Like you want to throw something on the spooky movie that's lit well, the spooky hospital that's lit well at night's always going to be a cool ride. So I'm going to give it seven out of 10 hands reaching from out of frame because i'm not gonna lie that one got me <laughs> and i think you mean <laughs> poorly lit hospitals that look cool yeah <laughs> yeah this was actually uh this was a pretty good deal i mean a lot of what's in here is what's in a lot of horror movies but this is really well executed it looks good it sounds good the atmosphere naturally is good the cast is strong. Even the child actors are great. Overall, it's way better than I, I kind of was expecting, partly because of the generic title, which, of course, as we've discussed, is not as generic as it seems. I cannot wait to see what else this director slash writer is going to do, whether it's horror or not, although I definitely want to see some more horror if it's going to be like this. I'm going to go ahead and give this 3.5 out of 5 stuffed purple dogs. Tessa! This is pretty good. It's not blowing our minds by any stretch of the imagination as far as like the horror genre goes, but as far as utilizing a horror genre to make social commentary, it's pretty good. I also look forward to seeing what Karina Faith comes up with in the next few years. I'm sure it'll be great. The cinematography was great. I love that they color-coded the floors. I'm sure that some of the hospitals actually did that just for ease of people knowing where they were, but it was also just like a nice color-coded point of reference for us to know where the characters were, which I find very handy. And it aesthetically looked nice, you know, to have that color block on the wall to break up the screen. So I think I'll probably give this 7.5 out of 10 creepily painted murals want to say specifically Karina Faith first off it's really nice to see more female writer directors coming into horror into film in general but horror has really been very progressive with the amount of not only female but people of color in the last two years and sort of changing a lot of perceptions quickly that clearly a lot of the stories that straight white men have to tell we've told we've told those tales many many times and they're getting kind of old and so you know what's great about this as well as like opening things up in general for the viewer we get stories from different perspectives which lead to different types of horror movies new things for us to enjoy and although this plays back on a lot of sort of tropes that we're familiar with it does come find a new thing to get out of them and i think that that's great i think it's a really strong featured debut from karina faith i really can't wait to see what she does next it's not going to become one of my fallback go-to this is one of the all-time great ghost movies but it is a pretty good movie and i would definitely recommend it to people and i think definitely would put it on any list of great horror movies that are about a lot more than just the horror I have a subtext that's valuable and well-spoken. Yeah, I overall really enjoyed this. I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 reasons to always use a kerosene lamp, no matter what decade it is when dealing with ghosts, because they can't fuck yeah. with that shit. You get a flashlight, you're constantly shaking the damn thing because it's going out. You get a candle, it's like... <laughs> but, you know, ghosts are sitting there going... <laughs> a kerosene lamp they're like you can't blow that thing out i mean the best thing you do is knock it out of your hands but you know you're still gonna pick it up and go dick that's why you don't hear a lot of minor ghost stories there's a lot of 
stories about guys who died in mines, but... I'm from West Virginia. I would like to... <laughs> Not as many movies, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So our next ghost review, we should totally go, I know there is an abandoned asylum hospital in Texas that's only about two and a half hours from here. They let you film and do stuff in there and spend the night. My friend Patience, who used to be on Deliberation of the Doom with me, she did it with a group of people. You just have to get advanced notes. We should totally do like a podcast review of like the best ghost movies in an overnight staying in the abandoned insane asylum. Yeah. Yes, please. I will. Absolutely. What that. could go wrong? Come in. <laughs> 